This is The Antidote on 92.7 FM. Generation X from Birmingham, England's dissident prophet. This is The Antidote. I'm Dave Hawkins, and I am sweltering in Studio A. The sweat is dripping off my nose. But that's the joy of radio, all the trials that you have to put up with. You know, I've been thinking that I should try to add up how many times I've wondered about how a band has come up with its name. 
and I think Dissonant Prophet may have the most accurate band name ever. They give really pointed thoughts on a wide range of topics during their songs, and I'm sure that you know some of those opinions are bound to bother people that don't agree with their opinions. But I don't think the band has intentionally set out to disturb or annoy people. It's simply that they're really passionate about the issues that they want to share. Two of the band members of Dissident Prophet join me for a talk about their music, their new album Red Moon Rising, and what they're most disturbed about. The band has been around for a long time. We're going to start the talk with the band, bring out a few songs from their past albums, and then head into our look at their new album, Red Moon Rising, on the last half of the antidote. So listen in. We're off to the UK to visit with Andy Jennings and Tom Livemore of Dissident Prophet. Guys, good to have you here on the antidote. Great stuff, Doug. Hey, thanks for having us on. It's cool. Dissident Prophet seems to have been around forever. I mean, how long has it been now? Two decades? Yep, two decades. That's right, yeah. And how was it that you decided to take on the name Dissident Prophet? If we're really honest, we were rushed into coming up with a name. <laughs> There's the truth. <laughs> um, we, uh, we did two gigs, and by the second gig, we were offered a record deal. And so we had to rush and <laughs> we hadn't got a name for those gigs. I think by the second gig, we nearly got a name. Uh, so yeah, the first gig we did, we didn't really have a name. <laughs> so yeah, we rushed into it, as you can tell. We called Dissident Prophet. And, uh, we, if we'd have thought about it more, we wouldn't be called that probably. But there you go. Too late now. How many bands want to get offered a record label after two gigs? How many, how many people want to do that? <laughs> well, Tom and I, when we met, we were both in secular bands. Uh, I wasn't a Christian or a believer in Jesus. Uh, Tom was. But um, we used to meet and we used to get together in, in our secular separate bands. And uh, we were always trying to get record deals then. I mean, uh, sending tapes off. That was the days when they had tapes. But uh, we used to send them off to the record companies and then the A&R men would come and see us play down London or wherever we were playing. And you'd be desperately trying to get a record deal, you know. Um, we came close at one point with VG Records getting the development thing with the secular band. But, hey, we worked hard. Uh, but how strange, when I became Christian and I kind of handed over the stuff to the Lord and thought, oh, I can't, I tried to write Christian songs when I became a Christian and they were just full of cliches and re- religious words and stuff. So I, I, I handed it over to God. And about 18 months later... Uh, Tom and I started like uh, writing some songs that seemed to be inspired by a different spirit than just our own imagination. So, um, you know, and the Lord kind of uh, started different things. So, uh, when that happened, it's very strange. Things changed, and we ended up getting a record deal without him trying. <laughs> Weird. It was a secular record deal as well. It wasn't a Christian record deal or anything. So, so legitimately, it was a blessing. Yeah, it's strange. I, I was going to say, you know, it was a small label. So they didn't really put any constraints on us or anything. So we could talk about what we wanted to and they were kind of fine with that. You know, that was nice too. Believe in the truth 
has described dissident prophet music as apocalyptic indie rock. There's a lot of apocalypse scenarios out there, you know, a giant meteor, plague, aliens, and of course my favorite are zombies. So mm-hmm. I gotta ask, what kind of an apocalypse is dissident prophet expecting? <laughs> we're, we're into all of them. <laughs> you want just to be a group effort. We hope they all happen at the same time. <laughs> all those scenarios, that would be lovely. Where I live, you only have to go to the local shopping centre and it's under zombie apocalypse anyway, already happening. (laughs) You're being harsh. (laughs) We're all being fluoridated. (laughs) Oh, no, no, we're not going to get into fluoridation, are we? (laughs) (laughs) It's too late. I'm solid gone, man. Don't worry. (laughs) I think they pumped it up where I live because we used to get lovely water from Wales, where I live in Birmingham. Uh, beautiful sweet water and it, now it just tastes rank I mean you, you have a shower and you can smell this terrible toxic stuff coming out <laughs> well Andy Andy and Mel they use rainwater now they've got one of those big fancy filters so yeah they're okay you guys are <laughs> sounding like you're coming right out of Dr. <laughs> Strangelove don't you remember the insane American colonel uh, yeah yeah the curse of the world has been fluoridation do you want to speak to him <laughs> <He's here. laughs> anyway no you're talking about apocalyptic situations to get away from the fringe trivia before i became a believer in jesus you know it took me quite a few years to get there i was stubborn didn't want to become one you know but i kept bumping into these annoying <laughs> believers in jesus you know who would tell me things and some of them told me about things that are in the bible about the things that would happen likely the scenarios that would probably happen before the return of jesus so that kind of made me kind of interested in the gospel because it was kind of relevant because I mean there's always stuff going on in the world that you can kind of look into and think that's a bit weird and I think certain big big things big scenarios perhaps the technological developments that are taking place in the world seem to fit in with what people were saying that could happen in the Bible in the book of Revelation <laughs> and uh, so I'm laughing because Tom's just got a big skeleton face and she's trying to scare me with it um, Tom stop it <laughs> cheeky Anyway, so, you know, um, when I became a Christian, it just continued, really, that kind of uh, looking into things from a truth perspective, you know. People look at all truthers today, particularly since 9-11, aren't they? Jesus is the truth on so many levels, and I guess it means that he's the truth about all the, all the questions we have about life, the answers to so many things that are really important to us as human beings. So uh, quite a few of the things I sing about and we write songs about are about things that are going on in the world, you know, Things that really get up my nose, rile me, from education to government to religion, you know, those things. When you view them through the lens of a biblical worldview, uh, it makes you think about them. It makes you try and frame them, triangulate the truth about stuff. Uh, The strange things that are in the Bible, they're there for a reason for you to investigate. And uh, this world is a strange world. And the Bible makes sense of it, you know.
smoking like a tin can down the street. You want the truth, don't want it bitter, only sweet, oh no. Only takes one fly to make a perfume stink. Just one lie to make the whole truth sink. Too much honey, gonna make you sick one day. I listen to the music of dissident prophets, I'm never sure if you're trying to aim your music towards Christians or non-Christians. Mm. You know, your lyrics seem to be split almost equally between evangelizing the listener and critiquing the church and society. Is mm. there one single area that you'd like to focus on? No, I think it's just the whole cancel, the whole thing, from God's love for you and hanging out with him to issues of truth. I mean, you read the New Testament, it's full of stuff about problems and errors and mistakes and deceptions and stuff. And 
And then there's stuff about making sense of the world, making sense of what's happening, what's happening in history, what's going to happen again. I mean, I, I guess it's just Jesus. He's just absolutely scary. He, he absolutely makes you think about stuff. Um, the whole gamut of information and stuff that you sing and dance about is quite varied. And it's not like a small little narrow avenue. I would say that we've we've never seemed to appeal particularly to Christians, have we? Especially no. not mainstream. No, Christians. they've they never really don't got seem it. To like us. <laughs> no, no, that's true. Actually, here's the deal: people might like the music and get off on that. That sounds like that, or that's nice, or whatever. And then they'll hear the music, uh, and then depending on where they're coming from, they'll go, "Oh, oh that's annoying." <laughs> Talking about Jesus. I mean, you don't even have to be talking about Jesus or truth, and we don't go about Jesus, really. We go about issues, things that have an answer from a biblical worldview. And I know that riles people because it riled me before I turned. So I understand, I sympathize totally with the riling, but hey, hey, ho. I do do think, though, that there's something, you know, if, if you're listening to a singer and they really believe in what they're singing about, no matter whether you agree with it or not, there's something in that, I think, that's quite appealing. It's the passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, talking about it from the musical sense, Dissident Prophet really ranges. I mean, I, I love the list of some of the influences you, you gave on your website. Lou Reed, Larry Norman, David Bowie, Ramones, Velvet Underground, Blondie, Gang of Four, Talking Heads, The Stooges, you know, even going back to Lamb which from the 70s. That's a pretty huge range. Yeah, well, I'd say the Christian messianic music, the, I'd say only a couple of records that I really like, or bands that I like that are Christians, and Larry Norman. And it's not necessarily his style that I like, it's him, <laughs> what he says, and his sense of humor and stuff. And, you know, I, I just still love it because it's genuine. I remember seeing him actually the one time, and, uh, and he came limping onto the stage, Larry Norman did, uh, with someone else's guitar and a piece of string holding it on because he'd come off the airplane and broke his leg and then he'd have to borrow someone's guitar because it smashed on the aeroplane. And he, he just sat there for three hours. And I could have listened to him talk all day, let alone sing a few songs. Absolutely hilarious. Talked about truth. You know, didn't shy away from anything, make anything seem nice or anything. And I think there was another band, King's X. They were quite good. And I remember, um, and, and Lamb. And one album by Cliff Richard, which was mainly Larry Norman songs, which was Small Corners, which I rate as a really good album. And that's admitting something, isn't it? Saying you like Cliff Richard. Do you know who Cliff Richard is? I do know who Cliff Richard is. (laughs) (laughs) He's a bloke who walks around with a seagull on his head. (laughs) So, so yeah, those are the three kind of Christian influences. And the rest is just like, it's all that kind of new wave stuff from the very late 70s to early 80s. And before that, with the New New York punk kind of stuff. Hence why you've got Talking Heads and the Stooges on your list. Yeah, Uh, I totally love it, man. So it just influences, doesn't it, how you write stuff. But when you've got like a lot of those influences, lots of variety in that umbrella of music, it's great when you're writing songs because you've got all that kind of influence already in your head, so you just kind of pull things at what suits the kind of song. It's good fun. Still no meaning staring at the ceiling 
Make a new start, make a new heart Get up, get up Make a new start, make a new heart well, let's go back to that one thing I'd brought up earlier about dealing with society and people's thoughts on it. You did a song on weapons of mass destruction called Running on the Wheel. And the lyrics read, The system's a monster, the system's a beast. Our freedom's been slain on the altar of peace. The prophets foretold it, our leaders pursue it. Grasping the wind, they can't shake off the disease. I realize that Christians live both in the world and are also mm. to be separate, but how do you achieve that? Um, I don't know how you do it. I think um, Jesus has said you're in the world but not of it. Um, the same rain falls on your head as someone who doesn't believe in God, and when you become a Christian, sometimes things even get harder. But yeah, you, you see the world for what it is. I mean, it's like a form of cognitive dissonance. But the great thing is you do kind of have a heads up if you understand some of the things Jesus says. He says that it's, this is the way it is now. It's perishing this current age, this current system, this current thing. But there's a new age coming. The real new age is the new age of the real Jesus, not the false Jesus that might come soon, but the real Jesus that will come at the end and reign, bring his kingdom. Um, there's a lot of confusions. A lot of people think that sometimes that his kingdom is of this world and they're trying to build the kingdom or whatever, or they build you know, structures or systems and things. Uh, it's very strange to be a believer in Jesus. It's like uh, you are a stranger in a strange land. Uh, you're a sojourner in the wilderness, a bit like when the people came out, you know, with Moses and they came out of Egypt and they went into the, the desert for 40 years and stuff. I mean, it's a kind of, you've got to think of this world as a bit like the desert in the Middle East. It's quite beautiful and pretty. Uh, it's quite green, actually, but it's full of ravines and dangerous places to fall, particularly if you're, a, you know, a goat or a sheep kind of thing, you know, uh, and so you've got to think of the world as being like that. But Jesus is the shepherd. He leads you through those places to green pastures. You can get cross and you can get upset about the state of this world because it's a fallen world and because of evil. You kind of yearn for what God has put in your heart, which is the future, where there's no sin, there's no evil. Um, I mean, I sometimes wonder how I'd live if I didn't believe in Jesus now in this current world. It's such a nuts place. It's scary. You've got like technology going off on all bases. It's uh, transhumanism, the messing with biology, uh, quite monstrous potential things happening. Uh, and Jesus did say it's going to get very bad. Um, so really, as a Christian, your eyes has got to be extra-dimensional. It has got to be heavenly. Uh, and that's got to become more real to you than actually the three dimensions we live in now. Because that's real, but it's not half as real as God's reality. So that's where I'd come from. That kind of gives you solace, helps you to cope with this world. I'm Andy. And I'm Tom. And we're from the band Dissident Prophet. And today you are listening to The Antidote. Bye. 
you've brought up that point about transhumanism. Mm. There's been a lot of that happening in film in the last few years. You know, you had movies like Hannah, Lucy, and there's an upcoming one called Selfless. Yeah. Dissident Prophet gets into this on the new song that you've got coming up, Human 2.0. I would have taken the whole topic as only really being fiction, but it's obvious that Mm. you're really taking it seriously. Well, I take seriously the people who are taking it seriously. Um, Hugo de Garris, Nick Bostrom. You've got the head of Google. Uh, He's now head of coordinations at Google. Uh, What's his his name? Uh, Ray Kurzweil. You know, these guys are serious transhumanists. And the speed at which technology is moving and the acceleration of the increase in speed, it's going to happen. I mean, I know that with the Tower of Babel, God said um, anything they imagined they would be able to do. And I think we're kind of at that point again. Uh, Man is talking about uh, reaching a point of singularity, which is basically when he's, he's, he's upgraded. He knows all things, becomes a god. This is how these kind of secular kind of uh, prophets speak. Excited about this idea. Superman, the kind of dream that the Nazis had and other people have had, you know, the Uberman, the, um, that we can become a human 2.0. And it sounds, it's all sci-fi kind of ideas. But if you follow the biology and follow the technology, look into it. You'll find that there are people taking this very seriously, particularly the military. The military are always ahead of these things. I remember when I first came back um, like four years ago and you, Andy, were saying to me, me about transhumanism mm. and I hadn't heard anything about it. And um, I think it was that week there was a news article on it um, and I also stumbled across a clip on YouTube where one of the big figures in it mm-hmm really angrily attacking people who aren't into it, who aren't behind it, Mm. saying that you're going to be like slaves to the new um, evolved human kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, they they talk along the lines of man taking control of his own evolution. I think it was Darwin who said will to survive, and Nietzsche said that's not good enough. It's got to be the will to power. Um, It's like God's dead, but God isn't going to be dead because we'll be God soon. We're going to make God. It's going to be man. And it's so ironic because you only have to read chapter 3 of Genesis and you hear the same message from the fallen one, the shining one, whatever his name is, offers mankind this opportunity to evolve. Actually, evolution's an ancient lie in a way because it's basically saying to man, you know, you can have a higher state. You know, God doesn't want you to eat from this because if he knows that if you do, you're going to be like God, you're going to be equal with him kind of thing. But, of course, we already had a wonderful position with God <laughs> just by having a relationship with him, walking in the evening with him, and learning and eating from the tree of life. But I do think it fits in with possibly what the scripture predicts in the last days. Jesus says all flesh would not survive unless the days were cut short. What does that mean, actually, just flesh ceases to exist? Does it mean that man will not technically be human if we upgraded to a different type of human? Uh, We were made in God's image. So I find it fascinating. I find these things weird. But it's so exciting being a Christian because your worldview is supernatural, you know. And if you if you think that's weird, then how do you explain Jesus dying and rising? How do you think how explain being born of a virgin? So, like we're talking about transhumanism, let's just say you can actually upgrade a human now, or you could even take a bit of DNA, say from some skull and some bones from an ancient artifact or something in the past, like Jurassic Park. Well, they are able to do that apparently, and who knows how far advanced the real sciences. Um, that would be an interesting scenario, uh, and it might even fulfill something in prophecy. 
about the return of the Antichrist. So he's been around before, but he's coming again. I don't know. I'm going to open mine. I'm just going to keep watching that space and keep reading the scripture and looking at the world and seeing what happens. speaking with Tom and Andy of Dissident Prophet about their new album, Red Moon Rising. 
the album title comes from the Book of Revelation, but how is Red Moon Rising significant to the band? Well, it's more from the bit in Job where it says that the moon will, will uh, turn blood red. Um, we've used the word because we're kind of looking ahead at what may be on the horizon soon. Nothing to do with blood red moons and all this kind of stuff that's happened to people talking about it. It's to do with the time in the future when things are going to change on Earth and probably going to change in our solar system as a result of what God's going to do uh, and as a result of judgment. I mean, there's a day of judgment coming. Uh, it's not very popular to talk about that anywhere these days or to talk about it even in church circles, but it's talked of. And when you understand the context of that, it helps you to get ready. It helps you to understand why that judgment's coming. Um, and so the idea of the blood red moon, the sun no longer shining, it's an ominous thing. It's basically saying that's coming soon. Um, as we, We're living at a time now where we're seeing things leading up to prophetic events that may be very soon upon us. We've already had a lot happen, you can tell. The re-establishment of the nation of Israel, for example, that's got to be a big whammy. That means, prophetically, the 2,000 years of predominantly non-Jewish people coming to believe in the Jewish Messiah, kind of coming to an end, Jesus says, when the time of the Gentiles comes to an end. And when you see these things happening and the fig, learn from the fig tree, and the way I see it is Christians are out of here soon. I don't know when. I'm not, pre I'm not sure if it's pre-trib, mid-trib, end-trib. You're not going to give us a specific date, I hope. No, no, I haven't got a clue. But um, Jesus says, well, you know the season. You can get a taste of the season. No one knows the day of the hour. But when you see these things happen, you know, don't be a fool. Like, you know, you know when the winds, the weather's changing. You know when you see the leaves coming out on the fig tree that the, the summer's nearly here. There's going to be fruit soon. So as a Christian, it's very exciting to look ahead and think that soon it's all going to be all right with Jesus. But it's also, it's a double-edged sword. It's also not nice because there's going to be a horrible time taking place. And I, I'm that's unpopular, probably unpopular on radio, but um, Jesus talked about it, and he talked about this stuff, about 23% of what he talked about was about the last days. I don't want to go on just about the last days, but when you're in the last days, it's worth talking about it. To bring up another one of the songs that is on Red Moon Rising, the lyrics of the word are drawn straight out of the Bible, but do you think it was really necessary to cover what could be thought of as old ground? Uh, I forget it. I can read the Bible, and it's old ground by the next day. You know, I, I forget. I have to keep reading stuff. My brain's going. It's, 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 the pineal gland's gone, man. Fluoridation. Be careful. Um, uh, 20 years or 30 years ago, maybe people were more excited about the Word of God, the Bible, and I think there's been a real attack upon it, and people are really doubting whether it is perhaps true or perhaps I can rely on it or lean on it. Um, and also the person of Jesus. to keep reminding myself of who he is because there's so many cults that keep wanting to tell me he isn't that. Salvation isn't that simple, Andy. You don't have to just believe in him. You've got to do this and do this. And if you do this, you can do that. And you pinch your nose. And, you know, this, everyone's got a different way of me getting saved. But the Bible tells me it's just simply faith in Jesus. So it's really important that I know who Jesus is. And so that, that song, the, the Word, is about um, who he is, just declaring what he has said, what the Bible said that he is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God, with God, became flesh, dwelt amongst us. Uh, it's so important to understand that what we have with Jesus because there are other Jesuses out there. And one thing that all religions and cults are united about is the fact that Jesus is not God. They may disagree on many other things, but they'll all agree on that one fact. Jesus is not God. So that song's putting it where it is. Jesus is God according to what he said and what um, the prophet said. But it, it's important to get his testimony when he has these conversations with the religious people of his day. They went to pick up stones to stone him. They ripped their shirts. They spat on him. For what reason? 
because they knew what he was saying and he was claiming equality with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that is made. this whole topic on dig where you call on christians to seek the truth but of course here comes the age-old question what is truth Mm -hmm. yeah and i guess you're summarizing that right now yeah i mean hey if we're left to work out what truth is ourselves in a kind of relativist way hey we're going to be stuck i mean i've been absolutely shocked in my time as being a christian over the last 20 years at how much deception there isn't amongst the christian community forget the cults Get the religions within the church. And yet they want to read my Bible. And it says that's what's going to happen. There will be people among you. There'll be people in church, false prosperity preachers. There'll be kingdom now preachers. There'll be people do this, do that preachers. There'll be people denying Jesus is the Messiah. They'll be, they'll be in amongst you. Uh, I've been duped a few times myself. It's just, it's just been going to Jesus and the Word of God and saying, Lord, help me. I, I need you on my point of reference for truth. I certainly haven't got a handle on it. I'm not the truth. I don't know what I'm doing. And it, sometimes it's difficult being a Christian. You have to actually just purely trust Jesus as God, and uh, he'll come through with you. But we know that we have an enemy who attacks our mind. Um, I think when you become a Christian, it's worth being told you're at war. 
you ever seen Quantum Leap? You know Quantum Leap when that bloke travels through time and stuff? Yeah. It's a bit like being him and suddenly you wake up in a scenario and you think, where am I? What am I doing? Who am I? On In the middle of a battlefield or something. And that's kind of what happens when you become Christian. Suddenly you get a real difficult time. And I remember the time when Jesus said to Peter, he said, uh, you know, the devil wants to sift you. But when he has, when you're restored, feed my sheep. So we do sometimes get sifted, but coming through it, you come through stronger. You've got to really examine your faith. You've got to test everything. Um, don't believe everything you hear and don't believe everything you believe yourself. Test it according to God's word. And, and that's why I think it's important to acknowledge that the, that the Bible is a supernaturally inspired, truthful book. Uh, read it in context. Don't go silly. You know, be sensible about it. But, you know, when you read it and read it and you keep uh, testing it, you find that it really, really is an amazing document that God wants to bless us with to give us the truth. There are many books out there, but this is the, the one that actually is the, the truth <laughs> about history, about who God is, about who we are, about where we're from, where we're going, Israel, politics, the, you know, what's going on in the world, what's the answer, why does nothing work in the world, what's the problem, what's the answer. Uh, and it really answers that question for anyone seeking and searching. Fool 
rules in high places Ruling over you Holding the aces As they lie to you You gotta do it For the truth You gotta do it For the truth You gotta do it For the truth Until you find it Get down on your knees Get down on your knees You gotta do it for the truth Until you find it Another track from Dissident Prophet's new album, Red Moon Rising, that one called Dig. You know, I had a really interesting and really long conversation with Andy and Tom of Dissident Prophet. To hear the rest of that, head over to theantidoteradio.com. Don't forget the, and look for the interview section to find the rest of our chat. You know, there's no way that we could cover the music of our next guest in only a single episode of The Antidote. So during the next two weeks, we're going to be joined by Stephen Delopoulos, lead vocalist and guitarist of the iconic Burlap to Cashmere. We're going to talk about their rise to the top in the late 90s, the disappearance of the band, and how they reemerged just a few years ago with their awesome self-titled album. But the highlight will be during week two when we speak to Stephen about their newest and I think their greatest album, Freedom Souls. Let's head back to hear more of our talk with Distant Prophet and the closing song from Red Moon Rising. He sat down and we'll see you next week. I'm starting to wonder if you guys just shouldn't be either up in the pulpit preaching or into politics. Uh, we, we do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Public speaking is the number one fear of, of people, apparently. There was a survey done, and I, I can attest to that. And then the second fear, top fear, is death. So you'd rather die than public speak. <laughs> That's where I am. I'll accept that for myself, too. Listen, if I were to ask you guys, how would you summarize Red Moon Rising? I think it does. it has that sort of ominous feel, um, especially at the start of it, um, you know, the first three tracks. It kind of does have that apocalyptic sort of ominous thing going on. Well, which is appropriate because you're an apocalyptic yeah, yeah, yeah. band. So, yes. <laughs> um, well, we, we are actually an apocalyptic rhubarb punk band. Rhubarb. Rhubarb, because we did a song that was a bit, it was a bit kind of like swampy and it sounded like a song. Off a cartoon. Off a which cartoon. You'd, you'd never using, have seen. It was just called Rhubarb and Custard. And uh, it sounded a bit like the track off that. And so we thought we'd make up our own genre of music. And, we called it, and people run with it, man. They went, what's this Rhubarb punk stuff? <laughs> and uh, so, oh, yeah, it's just it's quite a few bands at Rhubarb, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It just shows you can lie and get away with it. I guess the, the album kind of shifts quite a lot in the feel. So we're hoping that the last song is quite triumphant and uplifting. I yeah. think it is. Meaning he sat down, that yeah. song. he sat down, yeah. Yeah. When we play that live, it's quite a nice one to finish on. Yeah, so it's always a good one to play. Because we, we don't really play Christian venues. We tend to play uh, secular venues, and pubs and things and whatever. And uh, 
to play that song is quite a weird thing, really, because we sometimes come away from playing some of the songs thinking, did we really just <laughs> sing them songs, you know, to a bunch of unbelievers? If I was older, I wouldn't punch my face. <laughs> you know, I'm curious as to whether people might consider Distant Prophet to be more as troublemakers than prophets. <laughs> mm, uh, not trying to troublemake. The, the thing is, we, we are troublemakers, but because we're with a troublemaker. You see, our, our, our boss is a bit of a troublemaker, you see. He's a rebel. That's the trouble. Everyone's a rebel. A rebel for the devil or the living God. Everyone on the planet Earth, seven billion of us, all rebels. And uh, we've got a choice whether we rebel against the fallen one, who's the current God of this age, as Jesus said, where Adam would have failed and you and I failed. Jesus succeeded. Yeah, he's a rebel. He's refused to go along with it. And he, he boy, he suffered for it. He took the beating for it. You know, he took 15 rounds, like, like Rocky with Apollo in the ring, you know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But he won the bride. I love you, Adrian. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone's got to watch out. <laughs> and then he he comes back and he beats Apollo Creed the next time, doesn't he? And he gets his bride. <laughs> so, Where will people be able to find Red Moon Rising and other music from Dissident Prophet? At dissidentprofit.com. That's short, sweet, and easy. We've got, we got a little video out called Human 2.0. A friend of ours called Gons from Canary Cry. Uh, he, he made it for us, and you can go and check that out on YouTube. It's called Human 2.0 by Dissident Prophet. Guys, thanks for coming on The Antidote. I really appreciate our talk. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Loved it, man. Took off his robe. Walk round the table And he proceeded To watch their feet And when he'd finished Took back his robe And he sat down Upon his seat Came down from heaven Gave up his glory Became a man and died alone. And when he'd finished, took back his glory and he sat down upon his throne. He died for us, was crucified for us. He gave up everything. Black out.